Okay, I guess we're doing this. How's it going? <laughs> Not bad. You know, we have our wine. And <laughs> edible. <laughs> Some birds chirping. Some birds. Background. We are in Pasadena, California, mm-hmm. coming at you live. I am Paul Roque. And I am Hannah Collette. And we are two dumb bitches. We are. <laughs> um, it's been the basis of our friendship for over... I don't even know. No, let's not put... Yeah, okay. Let's, let's not... Yeah, let's not put a number <clears throat> to that. Nobody needs to know how old we are. Um, Just know we look great for our age. That is a fact. Welcome to our untitled podcast, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. hopefully by the time we throw this on... The streaming platforms, there will be a name for it, but as of the time being, we haven't figured it out. Yeah, we have a few ideas, but we're not committed to anything. We are not committed. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, as an Aquarius, it's really hard for me to commit to anything, mm-hmm. let alone the name of a podcast, which my name will be attached to. Yeah, I think um, that's fair. Essentially, we are going to be doing a deep dive on the life of Courtney Love. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hannah. <laughs> so this is really funny. <laughs> I, had, I woke up in the middle of the night to that message you sent me on Instagram, and I saw what time you had sent it to me. It was like three in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think I saw the message at like four or five. Mm-hmm. It was just like, Hey, I'm a little stoned right now, and I was just like <laughs> thinking about Courtney Love, and I was just thinking about how, like I don't really, I really like her, but like I don't know anything about her, and I feel like she's just like so mysterious and like so misunderstood, and I think it'd be so cool if we did like a podcast on like a deep dive in her life, and I was just like, mm-hmm, yeah, okay, mm-hmm. let's do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like everything I know about Courtney Love is like related to Kurt Cobain or her messy behavior yeah but not like the actual person behind all of that yeah and i always loved hole and thought she was like really talented but i just like never knew how i felt i guess i never knew enough about her to know how i felt about her yeah same because i'm also a pretty big fan of hole and i also truly don't know a lot about her other than like what everyone knows her for like obviously everything you just said and she also acted in some films in the 90s mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and she's also known for her many controversies and many like you said just messy behavior um which was really hard for her to get away with and my question is why does kanye west get away with this stuff that is true why doesn't he have a conservatorship <laughs> let's have that conversation <laughs> I don't think anyone's ready for that conversation. Yeah. No, yeah, exactly. Nobody's ready for that conversation. Yeah. I mean, you know, just a hysterical woman. Yeah. What do you expect? Exactly. Yeah. Kanye West is a genius, okay? Sure, Jan. Mm -hmm. (laughs) No, I will give him that. Like, I truly don't care about his music. Like, I don't. I'm indifferent about it. Like, I'm not a not I'm not not a fan but I'm not a fan you know what I mean mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like there's a handful of his songs that like I could say like okay yeah cool awesome yeah but generally speaking I'm not like a hardcore Kanye stan per se 
Yeah, no, I I agree with that. I feel like he has like just found a way to like monetize the church and not pay taxes on his like Sunday service shit. And he's like saying he's doing it all for God, but oh my gosh, and here we we're already on a tangent. Oh my god, I know. Okay, I know. I need to relax. Yeah. Anyways, um, (laughs) so we kind of wanted to go over like our like kind of initial thoughts and like attractions on Courtney Love. I'll let I want you to go first. Okay, so my earliest memories of Courtney Love, I sent you the clip of it the other day, but it was <laughs> a Kurt Loder, Madonna interview at the VMAs in the 90s, like pff, Madonna's like ray of light. Oh, which, like, one of her best albums, but we're I, not going to go on the Okay, yeah, okay, let's, let's stay focused. So anyway, Kurt Loder is, Loder is interviewing Madonna and Courtney Love, I think tosses her compact up there like in that live interview and like madonna's mid-sentence and courtney love is like screaming down there because i don't know where on the street i guess (laughs) and like she tosses her compact and almost like nails madonna in the face (laughs) and madonna was like what the fuck and then she looks and she's like oh i think courtney love needs a little bit of attention right now (laughs) and then courtney love just like Kurt Loder tells her to come up. She comes up. She crashes the interview. And it was just, like, so chaotic, but also so genuine and, like, vulnerable of her. Like, I don't know why, but whenever I see her in, like, these, like, press situations and stuff, I kind of just want to, like, protect her in a way. Yeah, I totally feel that. So, uh... I don't know. Like, she's always, like, all my memories of her are, like, her being a badass bitch on stage. Yeah. That Madonna thing. But also that Kathleen Hanna. Well, look. Okay, 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 okay. We're getting ahead of ourselves. I guess I'm, what I am saying is I've just heard of her maybe not getting along too well with female artists. Yeah. Um, And, but also her, like, amazing... Amazing, amazing stage presence and yeah. like her work with Hole. So yeah, it's like we have an E True Hollywood story playing in the background on mute on mm-hmm. Courtney Love. for vibes. <laughs> <laughs> We're just trying to all around encompass her. I've been listening to a lot of Hole the past. Me few too. Weeks, a Me lot, too. Like, stuff. Me too. Yeah, I can't say that I have any like definitive early memories. Uh, the only thing that I could really. Um, attribute maybe my earliest memories to her is my uncle uh he has been a fan i mean he grew up he was like prime age in the 90s like he's kind of the age i wish i was in the 90s yeah yeah we just um, missed it yeah we truly missed it <laughs> and, um so yeah he <laughs> i was gonna make such a ch- <laughs> no i was just gonna make the cheesiest joke i was gonna say he literally lived through it like li- lived through this he Ugh. lived through it oh my god yeah he yeah i feel like that's where most of my early memories of her come from but also like the general like classic like connected to kurt cobain and uh, just messy behavior which upon doing all of this heavy research yeah we really broke our backs we've been doing the work as the kids like to say Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um but no, yeah, I. We're gonna get into it. We're gonna get into it. So I think we should. We're just gonna dive in right now. Um, Let's do it. 
Okay, so for starters, most importantly, most importantly, yeah, ask me, like this honestly <laughs> sets the context it for really the does. rest of the fucking. This series. this sets the context for the girls and the gays. <laughs> 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 this right off the top, uh, when she was born. Her birth chart. Her birth chart. Her birthday. Her birth chart. Fucking get into it. July 9th, 1964 in San Francisco, which makes her a sun and moon in Cancer and a Libra rising, which... Wow. um, There's a lot to unpack there already. Like, we could just do an hour on this. Mm -hmm, (laughs) No. so she's a sensitive bitch (laughs) she is a sensitive sensitive person well no okay so it's interesting because cancer is at home in the moon that's like right right, 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 yeah and sun and moon are usually like polar opposites in turn obviously in the zodiac so for her to have the sign where it's at home and then also in the opposite that's like such a dichotomy already yeah. But then it's very interesting because she has a Libra rising where Libras are known for people who try to like keep the peace and also like see both sides of things, that kind of thing. So it's really interesting where she has this like inner turmoil with like this mask of trying to center herself, maybe. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense. I like astrology. I'm not like. Well, your son, so her son sign is cancer, yeah. and that's kind of like your identity. Yeah. Like, who you are in the world, how you move about through the world. Without even, like, trying. Yeah, yeah, just your essence, essentially. Yeah. And being a cancer means being, like, very emotional, but I think also very empathetic. Empath- empathetic. Empathic. Empathic, yeah. Yeah, empathic. No, which is true because it's a water sign, and those are the most emotionally inclined signs generally speaking this is astrology this is not science (laughs) Um, (laughs) i mean it's not not no okay Um, and then she has her mercury and leo which is the way that you communicate Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. she's very assertive in her communication very upfront because leos are all up in your face yeah, she is, and I agree with that. She's kind of, like, aggressive in the way she communicates. I yeah. get the vibe, like, that she lets things build up, and then she just, like, Oh, explodes. absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Well, no, it's funny that you say that, because cancers are known to snap. Mm. Like, they bottle mm-hmm. things up, and then they just pop off, which is funny, because I was at... The crabby. Yeah, no, yeah. I was at a comedy show last night, and one of the comics was talking about serial killers <laughs> and was like naming off she named off like six serial killers and they were all cancers <laughs> oh my god i feel like ted bundy was a no cancer. yeah it was ted bundy was one of them um yeah she named off like a lot of prominent serial killers and they were all cancers oh my god <laughs> and she said that, that exact phrase where she was like and it's because they all just snap they all snap yeah, yeah. um and they're like forgive me <laughs> but <laughs> kind of like victimy. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like woe is woe is me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and then her Venus and Mars are both in Gemini, okay, which is interesting. Okay. So Venus is how you love, how you love, how you romantic, like what kind of a romantic you are, how you express yourself in relationships. Yeah. Yes, and then Mars is like 
how you fight with people. Kind of, not yes and no, just like how you, your energy is manifested. Oh my god, my Mars is in Gemini. So that makes a lot of sense. Because wow. <laughs> you're like, bitch. <laughs> well, I'm just kidding. Oh, I thought you were going to cheers me. Oh, okay. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers to Courtney. Yeah, cheers to Courtney. Thanks for giving us a summer project. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, so I mean, all of that off the bat is pretty interesting because she has water, air, and fire, like in all of those major signs. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That's a lot. <laughs> that is a lot. Like a fucking explosion. <laughs> it's yeah, it's a lot. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, she was, um, did we say she was born in San Francisco Yeah, 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 I said that. So she was born in San Francisco. Um, She had super smart parents. Yeah, her parents uh, were Linda Carroll, who was a psychotherapist, and then Hank Harrison, who was a publisher and also a road manager of the Grateful Dead, who also happened, he just passed away this year. Wow. Yeah. That is so cool <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh and by the way a, ma- um, a majority of what i'm gonna be spouting off right now i got off wikipedia which is a very reliable source uh yeah. contrary to, pe- to what people say it truly is oh, they source the material in wikipedia exactly exactly so whatever yeah exactly um, um i also got a book called courtney love the real story by poppy z bright which I've Courtney been, endorsed, right? Yeah, yeah. I think I read online that she's friends with the author. Actually, in, like, the first few chapters, like, the author talks how Courtney Love called her up one night, blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, I think it's vetted for. Yeah. But we'll see. You know what? Whatever. We're not fact-checking here. Yeah, I'm just kidding. Jesus. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I hope that Courtney doesn't happen upon this podcast. Oh, and my this God. Is like, I hope she does. No. I, she'll uh, probably be like, this fruit and her, <laughs> her freaking <laughs> – and his fruit fly. <laughs> She's going to send us a cease and desist. <laughs> Um, I think she would love it. I hope so. Look, this is not like a... We have the best intentions. Like we're we just really do. trying to paint the whole picture. The whole picture. Like and draw is. your and draw your own conclusions. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Because okay. I feel like we're on the same boat. We're not like huge fans, but we don't hate her. We just yeah. we're curious about her. Yeah. We're interested. Yeah. I mean, uh, okay, I will say I'm a pretty big fan. Okay, but, yeah, okay. But fine. also but also like <laughs> at the end of the day, as we said at the top, like we don't I don't really know anything about her. Yeah. Prior prior to doing the research for this podcast, I really didn't know anything about her. Mm-hmm. Um, same, same. Okay, so yeah, so she has those two parents, Linda and Hank, and then mm-hmm. So, uh, I read a little tidbit in the book, okay. if I may yes, elaborate. Yes, please, please, please. So, her parents met in Haight-Ashbury in San Francisco. Yes. yes. The year was 1964. Okay. Are you there? Yes. Are you in 1964? I'm Hay there. Ashbury? I was actually born in 1964. <laughs> so, the book said that her dad was, I guess, this, like, known man about town. Okay. And he would tell his friends that he felt like he had an open invitation to like any party that was happening in SF, mm. whether he knew them or not. That sounds like everyone in LA. <laughs> <laughs> so um, his friend from college 
Phil Leash played bass with a band called the Warlocks, which turned out to be the Grateful Dead eventually. Like they changed oh, their name into the Grateful Dead. Fun fact. So they were college pals. Okay. And that's how he kind of got the gig of being like their, their, their roadie. manager. Or not not roadie, their road Basically. manager. <laughs> Totally different. <laughs> and then her mom was like the polar opposite. She was like waspy type. That's crazy. Grew up in Knob Hill, or as the locals call it, Snob Hill. Snob Hill, yeah. And she went to like Catholic school, SF native. Um, she was blonde and skinny, like totally wasp material. And she also was at this party in 1964 in hey ashbury okay so linda linda her mom was also at this party and it said in the book that she just like stuck out like a sore thumb because she was so waspy and blonde (laughs) i'm thinking like kirsten from the oc and (laughs) yeah i could see that you're painting you're painting a vivid picture (laughs) kirsten from the oc like at a party in the hey ashbury Having like a vodka soda, something white, something clear. So me. (laughs) And he sees her from across the room and he's into it. He's into her like waspy vibe. He wasn't into like, you know, I don't know, the hippie vibe. Yeah. That was going around. He was into like her bund upness. Okay, so I have a lot in common with him because I'm usually into like the complete opposite of what I am. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't want to date someone who's just like me. But this isn't about me. I'm sorry. I'm like, going on a tangent. Would you be into like a finance bro? That's literally That's like my a ex. Lot. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was Ooh. in finance when we met, and then he quit because he hated it. Oh my god. You showed him a new like lease on life. I bet. <laughs> I mean, not. No. <laughs> yeah, no. I, I, I mean it. Anyways, I mean it. anyways. So anyway, they met at the party, and I believe she got pregnant like a few months later, and then they got married. Okay. And did not last very long. Yeah, okay, so, and then this is where we get to where Courtney spent the first six years of her childhood in the Haight-Ashbury area until her parents divorced in 1970. In the custody hearing... This is wild. Yeah, this is where already... Unhinged. Unhinged. (laughs) That the mom, Linda, and uh, one of her dad's girlfriends testified in court that Hank, the dad, dosed Courtney with acid when she was a toddler. Um, Can you imagine? No. I barely even remember being a toddler, so I can't even imagine, like, how that really messed with her mind For at reals. that age. Like, just your first core memories, you're just, like... Because I just imagine, like, a room full of adults, they gave a kid LSD, and then they just watched it so... to see... Or watched the kid to see, like, how they reacted. That is so dark. It is so dark! <laughs> it's so, so dark. fucked up! <laughs> And I have a quote um, from Courtney Love, actually. She told the SF Chronicle, he was alleged in court. I don't know if it actually happened. Yeah. Um, Meaning she doesn't know if it actually happened if he gave her acid. Yeah. Um, But he went around boasting about it like it was some biological experiment. That... (sighs) Not everyone is meant to be a parent. I'm just going to say that. Upsetting. (laughs) 
like I can't imagine. Yeah, just like your first like core memories of being in on this earth are just like you're just tripping balls. <laughs> and you're like, Mom, I mean, you're barely you're ba- <laughs> at that age. You're barely even getting a grip on reality as is. Yeah, like what is this? Experience? I feel like I've barely recently gotten a grip on reality. <laughs> Like, yeah, no, same, same. While also having dabbled in that. Like, <laughs> um, so in this same uh, custody battle, it's alleged that Hank, the dad, threatened to run away with Courtney to a foreign country, but he denied this in court. But either way, he lost custody. And following the custody battle... Courtney and her mom moved to a rural community in Oregon called Marcola. Uh, And this is where Courtney starts to gain first consciousness as a human being in the sense that this is where she kind of gets a sense of that her life is just like weird. Mm -hmm. Uh, Saying, quote, that there were hairy, wangly ass hippies (laughs) running around naked doing gestalt therapy. Which I had, I had to do a dive on Gestalt therapy because I had never even heard of it before. So Gestalt therapy apparently is a form of psychotherapy where it emphasizes personal responsibility and focuses on the individual's experience in the present moment and the therapist-client relationship and the environmental and social context of a person's life and the self-regulating adjustments people make as a result of their overall situation, which is just so like, how does a child even take that in? Cause I can barely even take in what all that is at yeah, once. I don't even know like in English, <laughs> por favor. What does that mean? Yeah, like, I mean, it just, it definitely sounds like hippie woo woo shit in the sense of like, you're focusing on the present moment. You're focusing on, you, what your therapist is telling you and honestly this just sounds like a bullshit like definition of life like I don't know the environmental and social context of a person's life like that's literally like I think it means like <laughs> if like instead of being like welcome oh. to the do dumb bitches podcast <laughs> we're figuring it out as we go <laughs> but no I'm like googling it no, okay, so no, okay, but then at the end it makes sense. And the self-regulating adjustments people make as a result of the overall situation. Uh, so I guess this is a matter of like seeing what's going on around you with the help of a therapist and taking a step back. Taking and responsibility. Like, maybe not that, but just like figuring out where to go from where you're at, where you can like mute certain things, where you, you can make a little some some other things louder which just kind of sounds like life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Seriously. I think it was um or I read that it's about like making your statements like I statements. So instead of being like, "Oh my god, Bruno makes me so mad when he shits in the house." Yeah. Or something. It's like I get upset when Bruno shits in the house because I feel disrespected. And okay. it's like like you know very uh meta (laughs) okay (laughs) (laughs) um okay so they got deep in gestalt therapy Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then 
when Courtney was nine, a psychologist said that she had began exhibiting signs of autism, specifically uh, tactile defensiveness, which is a condition in which multisensory input is not adequately processed in order to provide the right response to what's going on around you. Um, I mean, I think it's like self-explanatory yeah exactly and then so going on it says sensory processing disorder is present in many with autism spectrum disorders and people with adhd and then that people who have that inappropriately process visual and auditory things Mm. pretty much in in all the senses, smell, taste, touch, balance. Everything's you're, you're, like overwhelming. Yeah, exactly. Like it's just too much. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It is too much. Um, and then at this point, this is where uh, I... So if you think about it, before she was like by the age, before the age of before 10, 10, she was already like so deep in like therapy and psychology and yeah. all this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um and I made like a little asterisk like this is where Courtney lives love Courtney (laughs) (laughs) I had too much wine Uh, this is where Courtney's life just becomes a series of unfortunate events mixed with childhood trauma Mm -hmm. Um, so in 1972 her mom divorced this other guy that she had married and then remarried again a sports writer David Men meanly menly uh and then they moved to new zealand at this point okay and then in 1973 so a year into living yeah a year into living in new zealand she got sent back to portland oregon uh where she was gonna start being raised by a former stepfather i'm assuming this rodriguez guy Mm -hmm. uh and other family friends and then at 14 she was arrested for shoplifting from a Portland department store and remanded at Hillcrest Correction Facility, which is a juvenile hall in Salem, Oregon. And when she was there, she got acquainted with records uh, by like Patti Smith, The Runaways, and The Pretenders, which is essentially where she started to get inspired for music. Um, but. Those All are great influences. They really the are. They really. I mean, I am embarrassed to say that I didn't get into like Patti Smith or The Runaways until I was like, yeah, nineteen or twenty. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I'm gonna embarrass myself even more. I didn't really get into The Runaways until The Runaways movie came out with like Dakota Fanning. Dakota Fanning. <laughs> <laughs> Kirsten, Kirsten Stewart. Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, was it good? I never watched it. Dude. No. Yeah. I, I, it's worth a watch i'll say that it's worth a watch um okay but that's not what we're here for okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um i know how many tangents have we gone on so far <laughs> i know too many. too many um okay so anyways and but at this time she was intermittently being placed in foster care until that nine sucks dude could you imagine at that age 14, 15. Going from being dosed with acid. By your father. By your father. Moving to New Zealand. Moving back in with people you hardly know. Yeah, not and family. Then, yeah, not family. And then straight to foster care. Uh, 
And this happened until 1979, and then she was legally emancipated in 1980, and then she was emancipated at for 16, her mom. At 16, so she was 16. Yeah, yeah. So she, yeah, she was emancipated oh from God. her mom. It's like some Matilda shit. And, dude. Oh my God. No, and this, uh, this is where it kind of starts to get dark. Yeah, yeah. It starts to get, it, it, yeah. Uh, she... So immediately after this, she spends two months in Japan working as a topless dancer, and then she was deported after her passport got confiscated. Oh my God. And then after this, she returned to Portland, and she started working at a strip club called Mary's Club. Uh, and this is where she came up with her surname, Love, to help conceal her identity. Which she later, like, legally named herself Courtney Love. Mm. And at this time, she was working, like, all sorts of weird jobs, uh, including that strip club. But also, she worked as a DJ at a gay disco club in the Portland area. And she was quoted as saying that she lacks social skills, but that she learned them while going to all these gay clubs and spending time with drag queens, which... That makes complete it sense does. to me. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah it does. <laughs> <laughs> drag yeah. queens, oh my gosh. I have just been thinking, there's been like so much weird drag queen discourse. Have you been keeping up with it? Like uh, people freaking out over like drag queen story hour. No. It's like this crazy Wait, th- phenomenon that's happening. Just like conservatives are like popping oh, off. Oh my God. On like, like Proud Boys are showing up to these events where like drag queens are supposed to do like drag right. show, like family friendly drag yeah, shows. Yeah, they read books to kids, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I don't know. I, I saw a meme though that really made me laugh and it was like. The number of kids abused in churches, and it's like no, it's millions. Yeah, no, exactly. The number of kids abused at like drag shows. Exactly, Zero. no. And to me, it's funny because I would love to see drag queens and kids interact because yeah, both of them, both demographics, kids and drag queens, are the most unfiltered people you were. You that will ever true. meet in your entire life. Yeah. yeah. No, that is true. <laughs> so I would love to see a roast battle, like a comedic roast battle oh, with like a drag queen and a my kid. God. <laughs> I don't know. Would you rather be roasted by a drag queen or by a kid? That's hard to say because both are brutal. Oh. I would say maybe a drag queen, to be honest, because kids are unfiltered in a way that like yeah like drag queens would not even go there yeah. i feel like like <laughs> <laughs> my god yeah. yeah no i agree i've been dragged by kids in a way where it's just like you're seven. Oh my god <laughs> so yeah she was hanging out with drag queens and at this time she had enrolled at portland state university studying english and philosophy and then in 1981, she got a trust fund, which had been left to her by her maternal grandparents. And she used this trust fund to travel to Dublin, Ireland, where her father was living. And she audited courses at Trinity College in Ireland. And she studied, studied, she studied, <laughs> she studied uh, theology for two semesters. And she actually received an honorary patronage 
from this university in philosophical society in 2010. Wow. Yeah. That's so she, nice. she got a nod. She got a nod. Yeah, like you did your time here. Yeah. <laughs> and we see you're not completely problematic, so so we, we claim you. <laughs> Um, and then so when she was living in Dublin, this is where I think this is where her affinity towards the music mm-hmm. scene gets she into. into it. Yeah. So she when she was in Dublin, she met musician Julian Cope of this band, The Teardrop Explodes, at one of their concerts. And apparently this guy, Julian, really liked Courtney and let her stay at his house anytime like he was touring or whatever and then she traveled to london where she was met by a friend of hers who also was a future bandmate from portland and her name is uh robin barber and barber said recalling cope's offer uh to stay with them that okay wait i'm gonna have to edit this Recalling Cope's offer, Love and Barber moved into Cope's home with him and several other artists, including Pete De Freitas of Echo the Bunny Echo and the Bunnymen. Uh, apparently De Freitas was initially hesitant to allow the girls to stay, but said that they were alarmingly young and obviously had nowhere to go, and Love said that Quote, they kind of took me in. I was sort of a mascot. I would get them coffee or tea during rehearsals. And that the guy Cope said uh, during his, this is quote from his autobiography, that he referred to her as the adolescent. So, yeah, I feel like he kind of took her in, showed her the ways of the industry, perhaps. Yeah. And Which... she could, uh, you know, really see how a life in like the music industry would look like for reals yeah yeah definitely okay so then by 1982 she came back to the u.s later that year she attended a faith no more concert in san francisco and convinced the members to let her join as the singer (laughs) (laughs) which like that is so ballsy (laughs) That's big Gemini energy right, right there. Let me join your band. Yeah, like you uh, need me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, she joined the group and recorded material with them, but then they uh, they fired, fired her. her. Yeah, mm-hmm. according to the keyboardist, uh, who ended up still being friends with her for a while, but saying that the band wanted quote unquote male energy, which is just like boring. Yeah, for reals. Um, Real original. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so then at this point, she went back to working abroad as an erotic dancer. And she ended up doing this in Taiwan for a little while. Mm -hmm. And then at a taxi dance hall in Hong Kong. So I, I think I just think it's so crazy that. She was born in 1964. We're in 82 at this point. So she's 18. Yeah. And she's returning to Asia. Okay. So yeah, she was, I mean, she, yeah, she went from San Francisco to Portland. Oh yeah. Yeah. Portland. Portland. No. And then to New Zealand 
and then back to Portland and then to Dublin and then to like Taiwan and Japan. Yeah. Could you imagine having been to all of those places by 18? No. I like, didn't even travel outside the country before that. Besides going to Mexico, exactly. which does that not does count. Not that count. does not count. Yeah, yeah. Well, and we're... We're in LA, guys. <laughs> <laughs> which, yeah. And, uh, you know, as... Yeah, uh, no, I think I was, like, 24, which is sad. When I, like, left the country for reals for the first time. I mean, I still haven't. I just went to New York for the first time this year. Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> which like it's not a flex that was not a flex by any stretch of the imagination that was not a flex mm-hmm. um yeah, yeah so just the life ex- like she has lived so many lifetimes by, by 18 18, 18. Yeah. that yeah. is insane like i dosed with lsd by three we grew up in chino yeah <laughs> which if for those of you who are listening <laughs> Uh, you, if you don't know where Chino, California is, and if you're only... We wouldn't blame you. Well, yeah, we, A, we wouldn't blame you, and if your only association with Chino, California is the OC, Second the show. Second mentioned it. Just... <laughs> Wait, did we say it earlier? Yeah, because I said Courtney Love's mom was probably like Kirsten from the OC, the oh, mom. Oh, that's right. The mom, the uh, one, the alcoholic mom. Yeah, which I will never get over... They're the dramatized like uh, presentation of Chino in that. Oh my god, I know. Oh, you also might know Chino for its prison. Oh, that yeah, you know yeah. yeah, we have the state prison. I think one of the Lady Manson murders. The at the women is at the women's. Women. Interesting. Yeah, my parents live like a mile away from there. <laughs> <laughs> like literally, <laughs> they really do. <laughs> Yeah. Like, could we hear that? No, I was able to hear the, like the uh, bells. They would, yeah, they would test the bells like every Friday afternoon, and I was able, to, I was able to hear that. I feel like we could hear it from elementary school, couldn't Probably. we? Probably. No, yeah. Well, yeah. Oh my God. Okay, there was a time where I, I want to say somebody broke out of the Chino prison and like came to our elementary school. I feel like I vaguely remember. Oh, and also Hannah and I met each other in elementary school. Yes, we've known each other since elementary school. Yeah. Yeah. For twenty plus years. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say we won't. You can elaborate yeah. on that. We're not. We're not aging ourselves. No, on this we're pod. not. But we've been friends for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and this is where the heroin starts. Mm-hmm. By Courtney Love's account, she first started using heroin while working at the Hong Kong dance hall, which we previously talked about. Uh, and after she mistook it for cocaine Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then by the same account while she was still fucked up on heroin she was pursued by this really wealthy guy he gave her money to buy new clothes and she took that money to buy a ticket back to the united states Mm -hmm. which that's a flex yeah that's really cool she uh (laughs) she knows she was doing (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, she had a vision for herself. Even her. if, like, I don't know. I think she always knew... Okay, well, first of all, if you're going to be raised in a place like Hate and Ashbury, you're going to be inundated with street smarts. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that is so true, yeah. yeah. There is no way you are going to walk out of that a person, especially no less a person who made a career themselves without, like, p- 
picking up on street smarts. Yeah. Let's be real. Totally. There's no way. There's absolutely no way. Okay, so, and at this point, she's 19. Her boyfriend's mom is a film costume designer known as Burdan Man, which, (laughs) Burdan Man, (laughs) which, uh. I think it's Bernadine. (laughs) Bernadine? Oh, shit. Or I don't know. You, no, you, you're probably right. Yeah, she took a which uh, she took a job under him at Paramount Studios, cleaning out the wardrobe department, and this is where she got her essentially what the kids like to call aesthetic. Uh huh. This is where she got her like whole vintage baby doll look kinder from. Horror. Yeah, Kinder Horror. Yeah, that whole thing, which apparently. A lot of vintage pieces in that wardrobe suffered dry rot, which is essentially just, like, damage, where she got that, like, tattered look from. And that's what Courtney Love is really best known for, her baby doll. What, what the fuck? You called it kinder whore? Yeah, kinder whore. <laughs> I think that was, like, a term that they Which say. also is disputed to be taken or stolen from Kat Bielen of Babes in Toyland, which is a famous or infamous or just a a grunge band from the 90s they're from uh minnesota um and cat b elland is also known for that same look and it's just kind of up for debate whether or not uh courtney took that look from her or if you know it's up for debate. It's one of those gray areas where no one is really going to know. Maybe Courtney will set us straight when she gets wind of what we're doing. I know. <laughs> and sends that cease to desist. <laughs> cease and desist. Um, but anyways, after that, she returned to Portland where she formed essentially her first bands. Um, one of them was with Ursula Ware and... Robin Barber, which we mentioned earlier, if you don't rene- remember, which initially this band was called Sugar Babylon, and they renamed themselves Sugar Baby Doll. Later, Courtney Love formed the band Pagan Babies with Cat B. Elland of Babes in Toyland, who she met at Satyricon Club, apparently, uh, in Portland in 1984. And then... Courtney Love is quoted as saying that the best thing that ever happened to me in a way was Kat uh, Love that she asked Courtney Beyond to start a band with her as a guitarist and the two of them moved to San Francisco in June of 1985 where they recruited bassist Jennifer Finch and drummer Janice Tanaka and then according to Kat (laughs) Beyond <laughs> Courtney didn't play any instrument at the time, aside from keyboards, so that Cat Bielen would transcribe Love's musical ideas on guitar from her. So I would imagine just kind of like, I really want to do a, bar, 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 right. which is literally me as a musician of 15 <laughs> years, which clearly has got me nowhere. I'm doing a podcast in Pasadena on a Saturday <laughs> after- evening. <laughs> um. <laughs> So yeah, apparently they played a few shows and recorded uh, one four-track demo and broke up by the end of that year. Mm. Uh, And then at that point, uh, Kat Bieland 
had formed Babes in Toyland. And yeah, so that happened. And then drummer of Babes in Toyland, Lori Barbarero, uh, recalled Courtney Love's time in Minneapolis where uh, Babes in Toyland was spawned, saying that she lived in my house for a little while, and then we did a concert at the Orpheum. It was in 1988. It was called OAA with Butthole Surfers, Cows and Bastards, Run Westy, Run, and Babes in Toyland. And I guess Maureen took Courtney to the airport after she stole all the money. <laughs> she <laughs> She stayed and stayed, and then... The next day, she wanted me to take her to the airport, and so I drove her to the airport. She had just had some weird fight with the guy at the desk, and then she left. She said, I'm going to L.A., I'm going to get my face done, and I'm going to be famous. And she did. Classic. Classic. Those are, like, iconic partying words. They really are. Like, bitch, I'm going to be someone. (laughs) Fuck off. (laughs) I don't know what you losers are doing, but I'm I'm literally going to... I'm outing. <laughs> As the uh, uh, the famous words of Ty, mm-hmm. I'm outie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, okay, so then where are we? Um, and then after that, at this time, Courtney Love decided that she was going to be an actor. Mm-hmm. And she enrolled at the San Francisco Art Institute and studied under the experimental film director known as George Kuchar. And she was in one of his films called Club Vatican. And then she also took experimental theater courses in Oakland taught by Whoopi Goldberg. Ooh. In 1985, Courtney submitted an audition tape for the role of Nancy Spungen in a Sid Vicious biopic called Sid and Nancy which came out in 1986 but she ended up getting a minor role in it which is so (laughs) it's so funny to me because like everyone villainizes her as like the Yoko the Nancy and Mm -hmm. which objectively I can see why I get it I get it yeah I get why people would say something like that yeah like, women who are, I don't know, like, who have not just opinions, but maybe are not, like, the easiest to get along with, to, like, quickly get labeled, like, a Yoko. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Like, mm. Yeah. I don't know. No, like yeah. a sexist trope. A trope as old as time. Yeah. No, truly. It really is. I... <laughs> And you know what? This is something that we'll get into in the next episode uh, as far as uh, Courtney Love's success with Live Through This because there's so much controversy surrounding that album, let alone everything that followed after that, that like, like yeah. I said, th- th- that's that's the other episode. Yes. So anyways. We'll get it. We'll get there. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm so excited for the next one. I know. Me too. I know. Just uh, if you think uh, this episode's messy, get ready for the next. I know. I know. Um, okay. So, anyways, uh, yeah. So she got that minor role, mm-hmm. uh, 
And then after she did that, she worked at a peep show in Times Square and squatted at the NBC <laughs> at the ABC No Rio Social Center and Pyramid Club in the East Village. And that same year, Alex Cox, who gave her the role in that uh, Sid and Nancy uh, film, gave her a leading role in his film called Straight to Hell, which. I don't know if it's based oh wait no yeah it is it's a spaghetti western uh, starring joe strummer of uh, the clash and grace jones wow two icons who yeah. would have known well actually three, three icons in one film yeah filmed in spain in 1986 wow spain yeah. in the late 80s with those three please send me there right now we should now. watch it before the next episode i'm so and then oh, talk about you know what it. we should we really should um which by the way straight to hell is the name of a clash song which the you know that mia song she used a sample from that song, uh-huh. which, oh my god, Paper Planes. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, oh my gosh, yeah. which I will ksh, ksh, ksh myself <laughs> in the head if I ever hear that song ever again. Like, there's so many songs from the early aughts that if I ever hear them again, yeah. like, that song, Kids from NGMT. Oh my god, yeah. Like, Okay, so then apparently that film, Straight to Hell, uh, got Andy Warhol's attention, who ended up featuring Courtney Love in an episode of Andy Warhol's 15 Minutes. And then she also had a featurette in the Ramones music video for I Wanna Be Sedated. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Iconic. She was doing the most. Yeah. She was doing... She was making her mark. She really was. And then uh, by 1988, after that music video... She quit acting and then returned to the West Coast saying that the quote-unquote celebutant fame she had attained being the central reason why she quit. At this point, she started stripping again back in Oregon. And she started getting recognized by customers at the bar. This ended up putting her in isolation. Uh-huh. She was like, I don't know if I can Gave do anxiety. this. Yeah, which same... I. Which is funny because we live in an OnlyFans economy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if I was 10 years younger, I would be all over OnlyFans. Right? I'm not even joking. I really I would. I considered doing porn for a second in my <gasps> early 20s. Oh my God, did you? I really did. <gasps> I really did. I mean, it's a great way to make money. No, yeah. I, get there's, in, get out. I don't know. I'm, I'm sure this website still exists called alternadudes.com. Oh, okay. So it was clearly like me <laughs> punk <laughs> f word <laughs> no, i don't want to say that oh my God. um yeah oh, but i was okay. on the website and then i saw someone that i know who's like the same age as me on that yeah the same idea yeah and then i was like i am not gonna go down that road oh, <laughs> my God. which i'm glad yeah and i'm glad i'm the age that i am now because i would so be on only fans i would yeah i mean unapologetically so easy yeah yeah so like yeah yeah the money the that's all you have to the, the money, money. Mm-hmm. the money mm-hmm. anyways so at this point she decided to get the fuck out yeah but of all places guess where she went 
Anchorage, Alaska. Oh, okay. Where she lived there for three months to, quote, gather her thoughts. Oh, my God. And support herself by working at a strip club. Classic Courtney. She said, I decided to move to Alaska because I needed to get my shit together and learn how to work. And then she said in retrospect, so I went on this sort of vision quest. I got rid of all my earthly possessions. I had my little bad strip clothes and some big sweaters, and I moved into a trailer with a bunch of other strippers. Wow. Yeah. That is vivid. <laughs> that's like a vivid picture. My bad little strip clothes and some big sweaters, and yeah. I moved into a trailer with a bunch of strippers in Alaska. Yeah. Oh my god. Like so again dark yeah like she's so extreme yeah like she went from before she was in alaska she was in oregon and before that she was well in sf so pacific northwest but no yeah which is crazy because my idea like if i was her i would just spiral as a treat yeah (laughs) Like, yeah. just lock myself in a room for, like, two weeks. Oh, my God. I but know. No, but also, that's just such Gemini going back to her birth chart. Mm-hmm. That's such Gemini uh, energy. It is. Yeah, her Mars is in Gemini. That's Gemini energy where you're just like, I'm just going to keep going. I'm just going to, like, try everything and everything Mm -hmm. until I figure out what works for me. Ambitious. Yeah, very ambitious. Very ambitious, Mm -hmm. which I can respect. I can respect. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, I did not have that much, like, vision for myself at that age. (laughs) I mean, not even now. (laughs) So, (laughs) I just, like, respect people. I I don't even have vision for that, like, two hours from now. (laughs) I know. I know. But, like, I just respect people who have, like, who are unapologetically unapolo- just like, I need to get my shit together. Yeah. And that's what she did. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what she did. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And then, so at this point, by the end of that year, she had relocated to LA and taught herself to play guitar. And then at that point, she placed an ad in a local music zine saying that she wanted to start a band and that her local influences were Big Black, Sonic Youth, and Fleetwood Mac, which mm-hmm. makes sense. It does, yeah. Even, okay, I mean, I will say their first album was, like, hella grunge. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The second one was polished grunge. Yeah, yeah, a little more mainstream. Yeah, and then Celebrity Skin was very pop yeah i agree um still grungy but very pop so, uh, but also i could see where the fleetwood mac comes in mm-hmm. especially in celebrity skin because there's a lot of uh choruses in the celebrity skin album that were like i could kind of hear fleetwood mac like mm-hmm. <laughs> singing this mm-hmm. yeah i was gonna say lyrically it just seems like a lot of like the same themes and stuff in a lot of their music. Yeah, that too. So I feel like I could see that for sure. That too, yeah. And then, okay, so then 
1989, she recruited guitarist Eric Erlinson, bassist Lisa Roberts, and her neighbor, neighbor, neighbor <laughs> and drummer Caroline Rue, whom she met at a Guar concert. Uh, and she named the band Hole after a line from a Euripides Medea. Um, and the quote is, there is a hole that pierces right through me. Wow. That's where she got the name Hole from. That's fucking cool. Also, simultaneously, though, uh, it's stated that she also got the name Hole from a conversation with her mother where her mom had told her that she could not live her life with, quote, with a hole running through her. Wow. Which, that's beautiful. Yeah. I think that's beautiful. Yeah. I honestly think that's more beautiful than, uh, the quote. Yeah, yeah, the one before. I think so, too. Yeah. That's really touching, actually. It really is, yeah. which, like, I wish my parents would have told me something like that. <laughs> <laughs> or just anything <laughs> loving. <laughs> I know, that's so, like, lovely. It really is. It really freaking is. Wow. Oh. She must have, like, such a complex relationship with her mom. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean... Not unlike her, like, relationship with her own daughter, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Different, so, different. Very yeah. different. Um, okay, so then by July of 1989, uh, Courtney married Leaving Trains vocalist James Moreland in Las Vegas... But the marriage was annulled that same year. Um, <laughs> and Courtney Love was quoted saying later that Moreland was a transvestite and that they married <laughs> as a joke. <laughs> She's like, yeah, joke was on me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which, okay. You know, okay. no joke. Um, okay. And then after Hole started, apparently Courtney Love got in a relationship with the guitarist uh, of Hole that lasted a year. And then, so during that time that Hole was starting, she was still working at strip clubs, uh, including Jumbo's Clown Room. Mm Mm-hmm. And also the seventh veil with God Jumbo's clown room that is so dark. <laughs> that lady said on the documentary. Yeah. Oh, did I? Did she say that? She was like, she's like, she must have really low self esteem to like strip out of a place called the clown room. And I was like, <laughs> fuck you, lady. <laughs> she's trying to pay her rent. So she's simultaneously in a band, writing music, performing, and then working as a dancer at night. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Which wow. that's uh, that's that's a lot. Yeah, it is. Um, and at this time, she's saving money to buy backline equipment and a touring van while rehearsing at a studio that was loaned by her by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Wow. Yeah. I wonder how she met them. Right. Like Which I honestly should have looked a little more into that. Which for people who don't know what a backline is is essentially like equipment that you use and have available for other people to use so like a drum set bass amp guitar amp so that people don't have to worry about 
bringing it to whatever gig you're playing or throwing or whatever, mm-hmm. um, which does come in handy. It is so nice having, especially as a drummer, <laughs> it is so nice oh, showing yeah. up to a gig where I only have to bring my cymbals. It's so like the drum set is waiting. For yeah, you literally. Right yeah. Okay. Like at the most you have to bring like yeah, your, that bomb. yeah, yeah, it's cool. So um so she's at, saving money to purchase like equipment like, yeah not she's, just for herself yeah like, no yeah she yeah she's deep committed. in it she's committed she is committed she knows what she wants she knows what she's doing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and at this point they played their first whole played their first show in november of 1989 wow. at raji's which is a rock club in central hollywood and their debut single retard girl which <laughs> they named it i did not <laughs> what Paul Don't. called himself yeah. earlier when he didn't get the mics to work. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. It was... Um, why are you trying to cancel me? Um, it was issued in <laughs> April of 1990 through, at the time, a Long Beach indie label known as Sympathy for the record industry and was played by... Rodney Bingheimer, which was a very famous DJ on K-Rock for a very long time. Like, mm-hmm. this guy goes back to the Runaways. Shit. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's... So, I wonder if he heard it and he liked it, so he played it. Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay. Definitely. And then, so, Hole appeared on a cover of Flipside, uh, which is a lawn, uh, a lounge in L.A. <laughs> <laughs> an LA-based punk van- fanzine uh, back in the day. Cool. And then in early 1991, they released their second single, Dick Nail, through Sub Pop Records, which everyone knows who Sub Pop Records is. Like, Nirvana was on Sub Pop. Mm-hmm. Fucking the Postal Service were on Sub Pop. Oh, like, they were? Yeah. I'm pretty sure they were. Oh, my God, the Postal Service. Yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, good for them for making a name for themselves on an Iron and Wine cover. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, Soundgarden, too. Yeah, a lot a lot of famous bands. A lot of famous bands were have made a name for themselves on that. Yeah. So then after that, their first album, Pretty on the Inside, was released, which was a very grunge album. And... Mm-hmm. It was raw. It's very, very raw. Um, And it's probably not what most people who might be, like, uh, basic fans of Courtney are used to, where Live Through This is very... You could call it a pop album, honestly. You really could. Yeah. Because as hard as it is at points, like, it's very melodic. It's very... It's catchy as fuck. For sure. It's catchy as fuck. But anyway, so Pretty on the Inside, yeah, was their first album. And it was described by Q, a publication at the time, as confrontational and genuinely uninhibited. And it was, yeah, released in 1991 by Carolyn Records. And it was produced by Kim Gordon of Sonic Youth. Wow. Yeah. Um, and apparently Kim Gordon and Courtney Love met when Hole opened for Sonic Youth during their tour for Goo, which is like yeah, their like, most famous album. Mm-hmm. 
uh, and this is a show at the Whiskey A Go Go. Wow. Yeah. Just wow. some LA things. No big deal. Just some insider info. Yeah. You wouldn't know about NBD. It. NBD. <laughs> Straight out of Pasadena. NBD. Um, yeah. So then after that, Courtney Love later spoke on Pretty on the Inside saying that it's quote unquote unlistenable and unmelodic. What? Which is. I true. Mean. It really is. It's true. I mm. as some I'm I'm a punk ass bitch. I love punk music. And it's very raw. It's very raw. It's very some songs go all over the place and you kinda don't know where it's gonna go. Okay. Um okay. but either way, the album received like a lot of praise um from like a lot of indie and punk critics. And was named one of the 20 best albums of the year by Spin, which I can't believe that's still, like, a credible publication. (laughs) (laughs) Considering that, like, any journalism is still, like, credible at all. Right. Psychotic. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And it gained a following in the UK, charting at 59 on the UK album charts. It had, the album had a feminist slant, which people named it like very riot girl Mm -hmm. which if you don't know i'm gonna gay splain riot girl for a lot of people right now um riot girl was a punk music scene that happened in the early 90s uh, that essentially highlighted the idea that punk was very male-centric and life in general is very male centric and it was calling for a recentering of the male center narrative essentially mm-hmm. uh, but Courtney Love was vehemently like no this is not Riot Girl. this is not Riot Girl. Um, and Hole ended up touring uh, with Mud Honey in support of their first album and they opened for smashing pumpkins uh at cbgb in new york city which doesn't which no longer exists rap cbgb and it's crazy that this was off of her first album yeah and she's like touring yeah with these like big names and making it on like the top 20 best albums of the year in like a huge music magazine like it's crazy it's her it's, first attempt it's crazy she's arguably like killing it yeah yeah. (laughs) she's killing it definitely like what the fuck have i done besides (laughs) try to start a podcast on someone else's coattails (laughs) oh my god (laughs) during that tour she dated narcissist known as billy corrigan gross (laughs) gross that pumpkin headed bitch yeah he's (laughs) i can't believe they dated if anyone hears this i hope that pumpkin headed bitch hears this (laughs) i'm googling his zodiac sign right now i bet it's everything horrible okay let me let me see let me see okay do you want to guess uh i don't even want to guess because i don't care okay it's uh he is a pisces glass bitch he's a glass bitch (laughs) so pisces and a cancer yeah what else so uh he's just uh generally horrible person and i cannot believe they i really can't believe they dated gross like she doesn't seem like she'd put up with that shit for long well i guess she didn't 
Yeah, no, she didn't. Yeah, she didn't. So yeah, she dated him for a little while, and then this is where she met Kurt Cobain. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Lots of stories on how they met. Yeah. The first time they met. uh, Yeah, and then so yeah, there's varying accounts on how they met to know each other. Uh, Journalist Michael Azarid said that they both met in 1989 at the Satyricon nightclub, which we mentioned earlier, which is Mm -hmm. located in Portland, Oregon. Um, Mm -hmm. But a Cobain biographer, Charles Cross, says that the date was actually February 12th, 1990. And Cross says that Cobain playfully wrestled Courtney to the floor after she said that he looked like Dave Perner of Soul Asylum, which I kind of believe the latter. Yeah. Like, I believe that account more than the first one. It kind of, I mean, the way that they loved each other, like, we'll get into that more in the next episode, because there's so much to unpack on that one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It really does seem like that, that's a lot more believable to me. Me too. I can absolutely see that happening. Um. And then, but according to Courtney Love, they first met at a Dharma Bum show in Portland while Courtney Love's guitarist Eric said that both he and Courtney were introduced to Kurt in a parking lot after a Butthole Surfers and L7 concert at the Hollywood Palladium uh, in 1991. So we can basically say they met sometime between like 1990 and 1991. Yeah. Essentially. Ish. Yeah. Ish. And then, yeah, so by that time... Late 1991, Courtney and Kurt became reacquainted through Jennifer Finch, which is one of Courtney's longtime friends and former bandmates. And then by 1992, they were a couple. They were a couple. And yeah, I, I don't want to go any further... I think this, this is a great like ending point yeah. for her story. Like it just seems like a natural place. Yeah, because there's, <laughs> I mean, we're splitting this up into parts because there's so much to unpack <laughs> on yeah. every stage of her life, and we were a little conservative on this first episode because we weren't sure as to how long we were going to be recording on this first one. I feel like we could have gone on so many more tangents but we didn't want to go too far we're shy we're shy we're a little shy (laughs) it's our first time (laughs) and also um every time i hear any sort of like story show or podcast to do with courtney love they focus so much on her relationship with relationship with her <laughs> her relationship yeah with her no and, yeah um I, I thought it was just important that we just gave her like you know really no. you know yeah it's true i mean in doing research for this i i think i told you i listened to a podcast mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. they theirs essentially was only like on the court and uh yeah the relationship yeah. I thought it was going to be, like, a definitive birth to present kind of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Not to say that I didn't learn a few things on that podcast, but which I am going to be quoting them uh, on the next episode. Mm-hmm. 
But yeah, there's nothing really audibly definitive as far as just this quick little like (laughs) essentially what we just did. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) What do you want from us? Yeah, literally we're we're not getting paid for this. So I think she's had a really crazy like unhinged upbringing. Like, I feel like she was kind of, like, at a disadvantage from a young age. Clearly. Yeah. So, to hear about her dad, like, dosing her with LSD, allegedly, and all of the, like, hardcore therapy and psychotherapy and stuff that she was going through before, like, the age of 10. Yeah. Like, you have to wonder, like, how does that shape a person and their perception of the world and how they handle situations and bring it up to my own upbringing coming from a place where as a child I'm told to shut the fuck up and not stick up for myself Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and as an adult they're telling me to stick up for myself that's where my confusion comes from (laughs) (laughs) whereas I'm sans LSD I'm sans moving across the globe Uh, being raised by family friends like i can't even imagine fathom like being a product of divorce (laughs) (laughs) let alone like someone who's just tossed around like a dodgeball yeah like a dodgeball you know what i mean for sure i don't know yeah so i think all of that is gonna take is gonna be like taken into account when we like you know, get into the way, like, what? like you said, her and, like, Kurt loved each other and how they loved each other. And and also that's her um, tenacity for wanting to make a name for herself. She mm-hmm. said, I'm supposed to be famous and I'm going to do whatever it takes. And even though for her that meant stripping all over the globe. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. She's a survivor. She really is. At, at this point. And she's barely, okay, so 19, she was born 1964. Mm-hmm. And by the time we get to her and Kurt meeting, she is in her late 20s. Okay. I believe. Hold on. Don't quote me on that. Yeah, she's 28 by the okay. time they become a couple. Okay. Okay. So, which even then, that's still... Young. That's, well... No, yeah, it's still young. <laughs> no, but I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, I meant to say that from a, uh, like, a music perspective, because in the music industry, you're geriatric by, like, 30. True. True. Like, by that point, if you haven't made it, you're not going to make it. Yeah. So, for her... To be essentially finding her place in the music scene by the time she's about to enter her 30s. That's that's a big deal. Yeah. That is a big deal. Yeah, totally. She, considering all the trauma that she's been through, Mm -hmm. she's starting to make a name for herself. She's starting to get a glimpse of what she's been working for and what she struggled for mm-hmm. i've mm-hmm. struggled for way less <laughs> i've struggled to just <laughs> wake up the next day 
Yeah, well, I think she, like you said, she has tenacity. She's a survivor. She had a vision for herself. She knew what her what she wanted out of life, and she fucking just went for it. Yeah, no, she really did. She really did. And, yeah, I don't know. I'm really excited for the next episode because this is where <sighs> so much happens. So much happens. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um. Like, I'm, I'm sure that everything we just went over right now was more than enough for people to swallow whether or not they wanted to swallow it or not. <laughs> <laughs> Which, if you made it this far, you are clearly a swallower. You're a bottom. You're a dirty bitch. You're a dirty, dirty bottom if you made it this far in this pod. <laughs> Seek help. That's all I have to say now. You're sick. No, yeah, like I said, I'm really excited for the next episode because this is where shit starts to get, like, really real. Yeah, I feel like we're we're setting the scene. You know, yeah, literally, we really are because by the next episode, we kind of get to where this is what everyone wants to know on the next episode. Right, like, right. This is where everyone's just, well, the next episode is essentially what everyone knows Courtney for. Her heyday. I mean, oh, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, no, mm-hmm. which was her heyday, yeah. yeah, where her and Kurt were together after Kurt committed suicide with the release of her second album, Live Through This, mm-hmm. um, the fallout of the, the simultaneous fame of Live Through This, and also the grief of you know, Kurt committing suicide while trying to raise their daughter all at the same time. Yeah. I can barely raise myself. Yeah, no, I cannot <laughs> I cannot imagine. Ben over little little Bruno over here. <laughs> Your dog he's, over he's here. Barely is alive, begging. Honestly. <laughs> he is begging for a smidge of attention. <laughs> yeah, no, I can't imagine, but I feel like maybe her early life is like I don't know. Yeah. Gave her the strength for like later. But I guess we should we could call it at this okay. point, right? I think so. I think this is a good place to end. Yeah. Well, if you made it this far, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we hope you listen to the next one. Yeah, please do. By the next one, we'll have an actual name for the podcast mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. hopefully a little more cohesive <laughs> approach. <laughs> neither of us have done this it took me an hour to figure out how to record two vocals at the same time and our computer is dying yeah so yeah exactly we'll and my laptop better prepared yeah. next time just in general <laughs> my laptop's at 11 percent, so yeah we're we're, we're stopping Shit. at a good time <laughs> oh my god yeah well we'll see you guys next time. yeah until next time thank you so much for listening bye bye